The Marching Roundtable is proud to be an official media partner of Drum Corps International and Music for All. It was just one of those things like, okay, you just got to trust your gut and just keep watching things that inspire you and take little nuggets from these people, take little nuggets from these people and build your own little gumbo, so to speak. And that's what I had to do, you know, you know, making sure that however my teams moved, however they spun, we're all going to do drop spins. We're all going to do toss a flag. We're all going to do 45 toss, blah, blah, blah. But what's, what is the content and the stuff that gets you in before you get to the stuff that's all more like compulsories? That's what I want to see. We're all going to toss. We're all going to do something, something, something at the end of a phrase, right? But what is that? How do you get me there? And that's where I hope that when people watch my shows, it's not about, you know, the big tosses at the end or whatever. It is about that. Of course, you know, well, you know, that's the, com- that's the competitive part of Color Guard. But the artistic part of Color Guard is how do you move people? That's Michael James, the highly successful designer, choreographer, and instructor who shares three things he wishes he had known when he started designing and teaching. Even though this conversation is centered around Color Guard, there's information here that any single person will really get a lot out of. Look for the video version of this conversation as well. There's a link at our website at the Marching Roundtable where this podcast is located. This podcast conversation is sponsored by Fred J. Miller Incorporated, found at fjminc.com slash roundtable. Michael James, with three things I wish I had known when I started teaching on the Marching Roundtable. podcast is sponsored by FJM, Fred J. Miller Incorporated. FJM is the leader in marching arts uniform manufacturing and continues to lead the charge through groundbreaking design, superior service, and over 60 years of industry innovation. The Cesario collection of marching band uniforms is 100% machine washable, includes a limited lifetime warranty, and makes the fitting process a breeze with their adjust-a-cuff and adjust a hem technology. Now is the perfect time to create a new image for your program. Chat with a live FJM representative or schedule your complimentary consultation today at fjminc.com roundtable. That's fjminc.com roundtable. Fred J. Miller Incorporated, family owned and operated since 1960. Hey there, everyone. Barry Hauser from the University of Illinois and Smith Walbridge Clinics. I wanted you to know that I am a huge fan of the work that Tim Hinton and his team are doing at Marching Arts Education. I recently joined him for a webinar and that webinar along with so many others and a tremendous amount of other resources are located on his website. Now, if you're like me, you are constantly looking for best practices, techniques, and just want to know what others are doing in our activity. I know this information will be super helpful to you and your staff. I encourage you to consider a membership to help support Tim so we can continue providing this amazing information and other resources to our marching community. Thanks so much, and be sure to join today. Hey, everybody. It's Tim, the Beast of the Marching Arts. I'm here with my good friends, Michael James. Michael James, how are you, sir? I'm good. Finally got a little rest. Well, Long weekend, but, you know, got some rest. <laughs> well, of course, 
you, you've had this wonderful, another great season in the winter with all the groups you work with. And I thought it was, Michael, I think about you a lot because you impact so many groups. I mean, you're going in and working with a lot of different groups, adding movement, teaching things. It must be exciting to see that all on the floor in Dayton. Yeah, um, actually, um, my friends, Bobby Hagelson's color guard, it's probably like the third or fourth year. I've sta- I think it's the third year I've staged them and wrote the show. Well, they finally came back to Dayton. Um and they ended up uh, ninth place in the Scholastic A finals. Hey. Um, yeah, and the kids were like, you know, they only had 10 kids in the color guard. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but now, I, and I told them, I said, now you know what, it feels, what this feels like, and I need you to um, pass this on. I like it. I love that concept of, of the groups growing and you getting to see that growth. It must be really fun, a part of what you do. And of course, now that that's over, you had a little bit of rest, you said, but now you're just jumping into drum corps stuff. Yeah. I had April camp auditions with Phantom last weekend. Went really well. Um, it's going to be different. I can't say anything else about it right now, but um, okay. I think it's going to not what people expect, which is okay. Good, you know, good, good, good. I mean, it's there and it, it's still Phantom Regiment. But it's. I feel we're we're finally really trying to get more contemporary. Does that sound too whatever? You know what I mean. I just can't wait to see the core as always. So, thanks for all the great work you're doing with all the groups in the winter. Of course, year round you're doing great work, and I'm excited to get to talk to you. Well, first off, I'm always excited I get to know you because I get to brag like, oh yes, I know Michael James and we've been friends all the time. Hey, let me have it, Michael. Let me have it. But anyway, we're talking about three things you wish you'd known when you start first started teaching. I think this is such an interesting topic, and I wanted to talk to some color guard people and some all kinds of different people. So I know this was probably hard. Did you have a hard time coming up with your list of three? I did. Like, I was even trying to bounce ideas off of my friend Casey Perkins, and you know, we were trying. That's what we do. We flush things out. We you know talk to each other, or whatever. And I, I did. Fine, but it, it was really hard. Like, because um, I still feel like, even though I've been in the game for a while, I won't say how long. Um, <laughs> I still feel like sometimes there's always something I'm going to learn new. There's always I don't call it a challenge because it's a lesson that I just haven't had a chance to be in front of, and that's what that's what we do. We you know figure it out, and um, but I always feel like there's something you know new that comes around every season like oh okay um or i'm reminded of things that i maybe forgot about little things like that you know well, I think that's, um, that's great and the fact that you've been working at such a high level for so long i think it's to your credit that you realize there's so much still to learn and so much that you need to stay on top of your craft for i feel like that's actually a sign of expertise is realizing how much you don't still know yeah, I mean, one thing I came up with is um, letting people help you or having someone come in to help uh, choreograph with you. Because when I first started, I was doing everything everything by myself, which, you know, when I'm talking marching band, winter guard, you know, <laughs> it was me. It was me, always going to be me. And I'll never forget when um, back in the day when I was teaching at Pinellas Park High School over in St. Petersburg, um, well, really, Pinellas Park, Florida. Mike Robinson brought this new kid in, who I kind of met briefly at Sunco Sound auditions, and his name's Adam Sage. <laughs> and 
really Adams was supposed to come in and like be my tech, right? And I never could get because um, I was teaching probably two color guards. I was coming in late to rehearsal, but he, I knew he was going to be there. I'll never forget this. And I walked in, he changed like, I don't know, like eight counts of my flag work or something stupid, whatever. <laughs> and I read him for filth, like, don't you ever <laughs> change my flag work. <laughs> oh my God. Like, it was so, we still to this day laugh about it. Because uh, that first probably month and a half, two months trying to work with him, because, uh, you know, it's just different, right? We're trying to feel each other out, whatever. And um, it was just one of those things, like, don't you ever change my flag. I was, like, so offended. <laughs> and um, But it turned out to be a great working relationship. Obviously, after that, we went to Seminole, and we had the company, and all that stuff. But, um, yeah. yeah but when, but when you're, still- to your point, when you're starting, you do want to control everything because you want it to be yours, and you have this vision, and you want to, like, make... So I understand that. I remember this being the same way with all the you know, groups I've worked with. So what? how did yeah. you get past it? Like, where did you realize, oh, I, maybe I can relax a little bit and let this person do their thing? Um, when it became a really good collaboration, and we were able to work out phrases and stuff together... Um, and then obviously, you know, me being older, he was still marching Winter Garden Drum Corps. So I was, you know, tasked and how you want to call it. Like if he's away at Drum Corps, I'm still teaching the kids at home how to move and dance and spin or whatever, whatever. But when we got, when he came back home from Drum Corps or whatever, we were able to like pick, pick up right off of where we left off. Right. Um, and it was one of those things that I kind of like learned to share the creative space with someone for the first time. In the color guard world. Now, if you came from, if we were both dancers, and let me tell you, Adam Sage is not a dancer. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, that's the space that he doesn't feel as comfortable in, right? Um, but as he got better and better at this craft, I could step away and watch him write some crazy flag work. And I'm like this. Because he just came at it a completely different way than anyone I've ever seen at that moment, right? So... We, we started noticing our strengths, but we could all, we would always sit there and write for, you know, equipment phrases together. He was very much more, um, equipment forward minded, so to speak. Like he didn't always think about his body. So I would throw something on his body wise. I was like, well, can you do a, you know, a, a turn here or a suture new? Can you do a coupe while you do that flying moment right there? So that's how we just started, I guess, more or less developing a style of, how we wrote and um, yeah. Cause asking, not asking for help, but it also happened with me when I had the nights out, um, I was doing everything. I mean, everything like night started in 99 and it wasn't until 2004. Yeah. 2004 was the first time I brought someone else in. Wow. And I was at it, actually. He wrote the ending flag phrase. Um, and then in 2005, we, I found, you know, Stephanie, who's Stephanie Rennell, um, Stephanie Rennell Stewart, sorry, that's a new married name, um, said, you should bring in a um, friend of mine on Marsh, his name is Marcus Rankin. He's a really cool writer. You, you would like him. And I was like, of course, you're like, this is my team. Oh, uh, how, how would you, you know, right? And, um, but I was like, yeah, let him come in. Because she could see I was getting, when because the nights had really started to take off. Because in 04, I think we were we were fourth at Independent Open in San Diego. 
And 05, I'm like, I got something to prove. You know, you want to be higher than fourth, right? So, but you probably saw I was getting overwhelmed because not only I was doing, you know, nights, I also had Cypress Creek. I also had Freedom High School, which was going to date for the first time in 05. So, um, I said, so yeah, bring him in, whatever, whatever. And he, you know, started writing some saber phrases. And I looked at him and looked at her. I'm like this. Okay, he'll do. <laughs> and still to this day, Marcus, he comes in and writes for University of South Florida. Um, it's a, again, it's a great collaboration relationship. And, you know, he gets how I see things choreographically sometimes. Sometimes, I, and I don't have to make a lot of suggestions because I know sometimes you can work with someone. And it's like, yeah, but what if you did this and this? And, and you know, and you kind of break that person's creative flow. We don't have that going on. Like, he, I may suggest, like, can we get this toss here because I want to produce it a certain way, but he gets it right away and it's fine. Okay, so you have a very specific way that you teach and your guards look and your guard, your shows are built and everything. So are you saying that you have to build, find the trust with someone and build that collaboration, or is it about finding the right people that are right for you? A little bit of both. Um, like like um, when I brought in um, Robbie Billings and um, Jim Moore for USF, my whole idea for that was to bring three guys, including myself, that are uh, extremely good, first of all, in movement. I was like, we should be able to put together a show that is ridiculous because we're all movement-based oriented. We all approach our equipment as dancers. Like Robbie's an amazing they both are right so that was the b show um swarm and uh it was just one of those things like you know i i had this weird idea i think we should put a show together and i just that was probably the only time i put someone people together that you know i had worked with robbie the year before yeah because he did um he staged um the jitterbug show um, and, but I wanted to bring Jim Moore in in 15 and say, we should do this. And, you know, but it was fine. It was cool. Um, but sometimes it's hard to put three minds together like that in a room that are not used to each other, yeah. but it was fine. It was cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's some, I, I gravitate towards people that affect me as an artist and I love watching their work. Um, I, I rarely bring in people cause I think they're going to help me win. It's not about that for me, even though, yes, I, I will admit winning is nice. Getting accolades is great. But I want someone that's on my, in my creative aura, if that makes any sense. No, um, I'm not saying my creative aura is the best. I'm not saying that. But sometimes it's like, you know, you want to find the people that you're, you vibe with. And it becomes, it's not work when you're there and work, you know, putting the show together, it, it, it becomes fun. It becomes, you know, yeah, we're all working hard. It's long days or whatever on the weekend, but at the end you really enjoy hanging out with that person. Yeah. And I mean, and you can always tell when a collaboration is working well. And then, you know, there's always those years where you see a, a marching band or a drum corps and they bring somebody in that's a big name and, and immediately everybody's like scratching their head like, okay, this doesn't feel like it fits. And then usually it doesn't go well. So you do have to figure out what right. fits for you, what you do, your style, your personality, all that stuff. Okay. I love that. Okay. So you learn to ask for help and get some help and accept that help. That's, that's a good point. What's your second one? Trusting my instincts. Um, especially as, 
early on as a designer, I mean, you're so inspired by, like, you look at these people, like, I want to be like that team, or I want my team to look like this, or, you know, whatever that is. Um, and I, I don't think I, you know, I think was what really helped me out is that I came, you know, the fact that I never really did March Winogard. I was too busy in college getting my dance degree, right? So I came into it differently, but following my instincts was easier as a dancer than trying to, you know, put a winter guard show together or whatever. So it was just one of those things like, okay, you just got to trust your gut and just keep watching things that inspire you and take little nuggets from these people, take little nuggets from these people and build your own little gumbo, so to speak. Um, and that's what I had to do, you know, you know, making sure that however my teams moved, however they spun, we're all going to do drop spins. We're all going to do toss a flag. We're all going to do 45 toss, blah, blah, blah. But what, what is the content and the stuff that gets you in before you get to the stuff that's all more like compulsories? That's what I want to see. We're all going to toss. We're all going to do something, something, something at the end of a phrase. Right. But what is that? How do you get me there? And that's where I hope that when people watch my shows, it's not it's not about, you know, the big tosses at the end or whatever. It is about that. Of course, you know, well, you know, that's the com- that's the competitive part of Color Guard, but the artistic part of Color Guard is how do you move people? And I've had this conversation, you know, with some friends like I remember telling um Tommy Keenum, I'm like, you taught me how to tell a story in four and a half, five and a half minutes without, before I even met you. Like I truly, and I tell them that all the time. Like you literally showed me how to tell a story. Cause you know, I mean, yeah, some, some years I don't want to tell a story. Some years we just do a show and just put on the music and just spin. But I would say the majority of the time, even if it looks like I'm just putting on music and we're just spinning, there's a story behind it. There's something that's a purpose and why, I chose this, you know, soundtrack or whatever it is, you know. So, yeah, finding my voice and staying true to who I am. Because um, I know sometimes people don't want to talk, you know, they'd rather just do a show because it's easy to do that. I don't say it's easy to not, it's, that sounds really bad saying like that. It's not, it's easy to just make it, I don't know how to try to say this without sounding like, all oh, my shows are hard to do. So I don't <laughs> mind talking about real life things outside of the gym. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, There's a certain vulnerability there for sure. Right. And it might come from, you know, my upbringing, the things that happened to me as a kid or whatever. And I talked about, you know, or the things that are just important to me. Um, Like when USF in 2012 did a show about bullying. I mean, that was like home base for me because, you know, my fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth grade in schools, I was bullied all the time like to a point that i'm like defending myself going to the bus it's just stupid crap right you know you know kids will be kids no i dealt with it for like four or five years right so when the anti-bullying ca- campaign started around then i was like oh this is easy because <laughs> i can talk about this and you know it can be very therapeutic and then the following year we were talking about marriage equality because I'm sitting here thinking I'm never going to be able to get married to the person I love. Right. And to put yourself out there like that, 
Some people don't want to do that. That's too, that's too harsh. That's too much. They don't want to do that. I, and that was the color guard didn't make finals, but I didn't care because I, I, I stood behind the show no matter what, right? And then the following year, that's when we did Jitterbug. <laughs> I took a break off of like, you know. Right. But again, that show was because I absolutely love, absolutely, absolutely love that music because um, it was from Aitman's Behaven and Fats Waller music, You Can't Go Wrong. And I found this really cool version by this jazz singer. And that was it. That's all I need to know. Right. Yeah, that was so, a great show. I, I, I remember that show very well. That's great. Okay. I love, I love that one. And then what's your third thing? My third thing was, um, well, I kind of mixed the, the two together. I said, finding my voice and trusting my instincts. Okay. I guess knowing my worth, knowing my worth. And this is something that I'm still trying to navigate through. Um, cause for years I would not accept, um, gigs like, across or out of state or whatever. Cause I'm like, I got to worry about my team here, blah, 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 blah. You know, and people would like contact me and want me to like, no, you know, I'm, I, I can't, I got, I got so-and-so that day and this and that, and I would always turn it down. So probably starting in like, um, 18, 19, I started accepting more, um, invitations to go teach out of state because, you know, <laughs> And you probably know this when you're dealing with certain high schools or certain teams, whatever, and they don't pay you on time. And I never forget a long time ago, a bookkeeper at a high school I was working for and said, yeah, but your job's not real. I mean, wow. Basically saying it's okay. You don't get paid on time because your job's not important basically. And I was just like, don't you like paying your power bill on time? <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So, um, I, and, um, and honestly, I still deal with that. I mean, not honestly, if I was in Texas, I'd probably have to worry about it, but I, you know, I didn't want to go to Texas. Sorry. I'm looking out. We're getting our screens repaired. So I'm making sure the guy's okay. Um, but yeah, so just making sure you know your worth. Um, well, I show it's, for the kids. It's interesting that you're mentioning this because I've had multiple conversations about this kind of thing, especially with like guard people, because they're like, an extra person that is and like and we've had conversations about how do you ask for the, the amount of money that you are deserved to. Like, I think there's just sort of this thing that's sort of from our history. Um, and so I'm glad that you're mentioning that that's been an issue for you because you're doing this at the very highest level. And even you still have to think about it, right. Um, saying, okay, I'm really worth this amount of money. And it seems to me the point that people often come to is you have to sort of sell people on, the impact you're going to make. And here's, here's why, here's the experience I have. Here's what I'm going to bring to you. Here's what you're going to get for it. And I think you, you have to remember that. Is that where you kind of came to ultimately is I'm actually going to make an impact. I'm going to be worth the trouble for you to pay for me to come in. Well, again, like I said, you know, I was getting all these, you know, offers from out of state to come teach and I wouldn't go because I was always about my, my home programs and, you know, I'm always going to be there for you. But then I was like, but sometimes y'all are late on my check, so I got to do what I got to do. Mm. And when they started seeing me, you know, whatever, right? You know, I'm always I have to always make sure that you know able to pay my bills. Period. You know, people think like sometimes like it's just you know money's like you know rolling in. You, but I've been on that grind for a long time. I remember when I like I 
when like about the first five years I was teaching at school over in Pinellas County. Again, I'm not going to mention any names. This is a long time ago. Though. I can't tell you how many times I ended up driving to the treasurer's house just to get my check. Wow. <laughs> like, I had to because I had to pay. But, you know, you just, you do what you got to do. But these days, I'm just kind of like, okay, you know, I'm actually, you know, you would think I would have done this years ago, but um, I'm meeting with a friend of mine. Um, I'm finally going to try to come up with a website so people, like, so people can find me. Because I don't assume everyone knows who I am. I don't. I honestly don't think that at all. I really don't. So, if, you know, some band over in Colorado wants me to come out and do, you know, band body for them for a couple of days, there you go. You know, yeah. you, you, hopefully they'll find me on the web. And, and I just want to see how that, you know, I'm not going to try to, like, accept every job that comes across, you know, my email or whatever. But, um, no, I think that's great. You... Thought of another... Okay, go ahead. No, I, just, I, I think also one, one, one thing, finding a balance in your life. Because it's real easy to be going like a million miles an hour a day or a week for months and months and months and months and not have taken any time out for yourself. Um, probably started doing this 10 years ago. I would try to get a massage at least twice a month. Self-care is a real thing. <laughs> like, um, I'm still not great about taking breaks or, like, giving myself, like, a week off, like, whatever. I mean, I did do, like, pretty much after the big show, with the exception of DCI, because that's no band camp. Ain't nothing you can do about that. Um, usually after WGI, I try to take, you know, two weeks off. Um, Which you yeah, deserve. Because... Yeah. And well, you kind of have to. I mean, you, you do have to stop right. and let yourself rest. Right. So, because I know when I hit, like, you know, like my fellow, you know, colleagues around the country, we're getting ready to hit, like, we just all finished April camp. So now you got a couple days, you know, a couple weeks off. You know, I'm going to a wedding this weekend. And then before you know it, boom, it'll be another month. And then Joe advisory board meeting. But by the way, spring training's already started the drum corps. <laughs> you know, yeah. gone are the days like when back in the day was like, oh, we're going to do our Memorial Day camp. Remember those? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and then even even then, you still had another two weeks before we went back. And then it's like, oh, now we're doing like pre-tour training, or well, we didn't call it training, but we just said pre-tour. Um, so, yeah, Jeff and I are actually going to Germany. I've never been to Germany. Going in the beginning of uh, July. Yay. I can't wait. Yeah. Good for you. I've been there for 12 days. And ultimately, so you learn that enough. by taking care of yourself and having those that balance and having those breaks, that then you're actually able to do your best work when you show up. Yeah. And get sleep and drink lots of water, which I'm still learning to do. <laughs> <laughs> My water turns into wine for whatever reason. So, um, <laughs> yeah, self care, finding your voice, you trust your instincts, knowing your worth. Now, also knowing your worth is also making sure you're still educating yourself as a designer, as a teacher, as a you know technician. Um, I haven't been able to because I've been obviously busy. I still like taking dance classes now and then, mainly, probably mainly b ballet classes. Um, cause some, you know, some people get to a certain point, they don't want to be taught anymore. 
But that's that's the thing. If you feel like you know everything, then you should be dead. Because <laughs> yeah. you should always be learning, no matter what. Um, well, no, you know, Michael, I love that. that. I love that. I'll see you on Facebook, and you're in New York seeing Alvin Ailey or something. Like you, you, you go to see these great performances because you need to. Yes, and I wanted to go. There's actually a company in um, New York that's at the Joyce in a couple of weeks, but I don't know if I can go because I'm trying to save money so I can go to Germany. <laughs> of course, <laughs> so, but but yeah. my point is though, you're right. you're going, you're learning, you're seeing great performances, you're seeing new things, you're staying current. Like this is this is required to work at the highest level and be your best, your best work. Yeah, I started thinking about that. In, probably in the middle of um, 2019, I told myself I work really hard and I never go see these, you know, cool performances in New York City or wherever. So I, that was like February or, yeah, February 2020. Um, I saw um, Matthew Bourne's Swan Lake. They were playing at the New York City Center. And mm-hmm. I have it on VHS, but I never saw it live. Mm. This was my chance to see it live. And they blew me. I remember the first male swan jumped on stage. I, like, caught my breath. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was so dramatic. Um, and then March, beginning of March 2020, I saw Netherlands Dance Theater for the first time. Then everything shut down. So now I don't blink twice if something comes up in New York that I know is coming. Nothing comes down to a food order. Not like that, right? Um, like I just saw Bathsheba Dance Company last month um, in New York, and it was amazing. Like, And, and I like, love going there um, and just... Just, just seeing things, obviously, you know, just, it's great. So, yeah. And I think there's lots of ways to do that too. Like I think there's traveling Broadway shows or art exhibits or whatever. You just need to go see the stuff that you can see, stay current, see what's happening out there. I can't tell you how many times I've been inspired for some, you know, drill design idea that I saw watching a Broadway show or even a dance company or ballet or any of that. So I love all that, man, Michael, you're doing such great work at such a high level. Thank you for, for taking time to share these ideas. I love everything you had to say. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Watch for more conversations like this one from successful educators in the marching arts and music education. Find similar inspiring topics like this in the over 1,100 podcasts at the Marching Roundtable or in the hours and hours of webinar videos and interviews at marchingartseducation.com. We are so grateful that so many of the very top educators and designers in our activity have talked with us and shared their secrets freely. You can learn from these top marching arts professionals at any time at our website at marchingartseducation.com. Thanks again to the sponsor of this podcast, Fred J. Miller Incorporated, found at fjminc.com slash roundtable. This is Tim Hinton, the Beast of the Marching Arts. You can find out more about me at beastofthemarchingarts.com. And check out our new bed and breakfast at phantomhistoryhouse.com. If you're a business that works with band directors, marching bands, color guards, or drum lines, you should sponsor podcasts at the Marching Roundtable. Our listeners are the exact audience you're trying to reach. And with thousands of podcast downloads each month, it's a great way to directly reach your target audience. For more information, click on the Sponsorship Opportunities link at marchingroundtable.com or email Tim at tim at marchingroundtable.com. You can grow your business and help support what we're doing here on the podcast.